Welcome into the Pursuit of Manliness podcast, where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. My name is Jarrett Samuels. I'm the host of the podcast. Men, as always, I'd like to begin by thanking you for checking out today's podcast episode. As usual, this podcast episode, Out in the Garage, is sponsored by Dark Water Woodwork, darkwaterkc.com. Today, if you go to Dark Water Woodwork and you select the Out in the Garage Beard Bundle and put in the code, discount code now, 15% off your order, all capital letters, number 16. Number 16, you'll save 15% off your order. It lets uh, Doug Cole know that you're listening to the show. Sometimes he lets me know that as well. Hey, some guys listen to the show. They use the code. Hey, praise the Lord. All right. So go there, darkwaterkc.com. The links are in the show notes. There's always links in the show notes. I mean, man, in the beginning, I never put any links. Well, I guess I didn't really have many links to put in. Now we got some links. I want to encourage you to check it out. Uh, It's a little bit uh, chaotic in the pursuit of manliness world in a good way. I'm not complaining. I don't want you to hear me, you know, complaining. Um, because it's a good thing. It happens every time, uh, every this this time of year. What am I trying to say? It happens this time each year. So right now, it is the... Uh, I, I was thinking today, like, you know, I need to get back to at least occasionally uh, recording these episodes and having some video online. Nobody's asking to see me ever, but uh, I just think it adds a little another element to the show, to what we're doing here, the conversations we're having. Uh, sometimes guys are like, all right, I'll check that out, whatever. But uh, it's a it's a disaster uh, at my house right now, and it's my fault. It's a good thing. It is all a good thing. It's a disaster in my office too. I'm supposed to record a podcast later on with a guy, and I'm thinking, um, and we're just going to keep it right with the, the books in the back. You know, the backgrounds are important for that kind of stuff. So we'll we'll try that. The office is filled with a ton of gear. Okay, so if you go to the Pursuit of Manliness website. There's hardly no gear on there, okay? Because all the gear is at the office for the men's retreat. The men's retreat's coming up in, goodness, two weeks, two and a half, two plus weeks, man. It is. I'm looking forward to it. A lot of, lot of moving pieces there. So if you are in tribe and the herd, especially, we got some pre-retreat stuff. Make sure you're checking that information out, communicating with me. If you're coming to the retreat, man, get here, get set up. We cannot wait to meet you. So with all that said, I have the tribe 12 gear here that's the decal the patch and the challenge coin those are going out and then i have the tribe 13 yes there's always a tribe going on tribe 13 field guides the books i got a whole bunch of them below my feet um i got the books we're going to read for tribe 13 that registration hasn't opened yet so don't worry about that we have the tribe 12 shirts for the guys that ordered those i have the iron sharpens iron shirts and what else we got here um it's, just all, it's madness. It is madness right now. I am not a, um, I'm not a particular person about how I look. I think you've maybe picked up on that, but I am about organization. Like I do want things to work a certain way and to be a certain, and, and that's, I just had to tell myself a couple of years ago in September, that's out the window. You know what? We might want to get on this conversation today instead of hearing about my, uh, my plight. Uh, number 16, we have a guy named Cora, 16 verse one. And there's what is, I think there's 50 verses. Let me look in here. Uh, 50 verses in this. I'm only touching on a few of them. As always, I want to encourage you, when you get the opportunity, read it. Read it for yourself. Because I'm only hitting on the highlights here. That's what I do. Um, I'm like a sports guy. Just give me the highlights of what happened. There's a lot of things that are setting up this stuff. So, uh, number 16. Now, Korah, the son of Ishar. Now, I'm going to mess these names up. Okay, so if you're a guy who studied... 
uh, Hebrew, and you're like, I can't believe you said that way. Well, get ready. Uh, Kohath, son of Levi, and Dathan. Abiram, Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and On, what a name, On, the son of Peleth, the son of Reuben, took men. Let's just stop right there. Anytime in Scripture that the lineage of an individual is mentioned on the onset, it's going one or two ways. It's either going to be really good, like, oh, man, covenant coming, this guy, this is a big deal, or really bad. I'm going to spoil it for you. This is really bad, okay? And not just bad for this guy, bad for 250 other guys. They wrote and they rose up before Moses with a number of people of Israel, 250 chiefs of the congregation chosen from the assembly, well-known men. These aren't a bunch of slappies. These aren't guys that he found in the back alley and said, hey, you want to come with me? I got, I got something I'm doing. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'll give you an oatmeal cream pie if you can just come with. Okay, yeah. Let's see. These are chiefs of men chosen from the assembly, well-known, well-known guys. Okay, uh, It's interesting to note that uh, Korah and Moses both descended from Kohath, but obviously by uh, different sons, different fathers, right? Moses says the family of Amram and Korah from the family of Ishar. Okay? I think Korah is probably looking around and saying, you know what? Aaron's my cousin. I'm from the tribe of Eli, or Levi, for Eli. I'm from the tribe of Levi. Why does he get to be something that I don't? I mean, you know how it is. You start looking around going, hey, that, that, that doesn't seem fair. Listen, man, life isn't fair. And I'll tell you this. I've said it before, and I will say it again. The fact that life is not fair, you say same effort, same whatever, different results. Yeah, the fact that life isn't fair, to me, reinforces the fact there is a God. Because he is in control, and clearly we are not. Okay? So Korah starts throwing out some accusations here. Moses got too much pride. He loves power. He won't let other people lead. More than likely, Korah has all these things as well. Too much pride. Why am I not leading? Wants the power. Wants to be in leadership, right? This is a big deal. This is a significant accusation that is made public to 250 leaders in the congregation. These are men who were well-known. Again, he didn't go down and recruit out of the JV team. He went and found some people that had some credibility that were, were well-known amongst the people and said, what do you think? He didn't find five. He found 250 of them and plays up to the audience and creates a following. I am amazed. I'm amazed at how many times something, something can be pushed, an agenda, an ideology, a narrative, however you want to describe it. And the quality of people, at least that's my perception, the quality of people that buy into some of this stuff that appears to be just utter nonsense. I'm going to tell you right now, there are no aliens, okay? That, that, that ain't real. And if you're an alien guy, you good, you, you, that, you do that. If you put the, the context of Scripture together, if Jesus died for the whole world, the whole earth, and there's there's a lot of different verbiage there. Okay, I'm not going to get some what this is for. You know why there's an alien agenda being pushed? Because you bought into the other stuff. And if maybe we can get them looking at the sky, 
for everything that's flying over there, they won't realize what these things actually are flying over. Or maybe they won't look down on the ground and look around and see what another mess we've made of things. So let's look up and let's look for flashy things in the sky and say, that is an alien. That's nothing else to worry about. Nothing else should concern you. It's alien. And people go, okay. And, and they flood to it by the masses. He said, you know what? You, you, you got too much power. This whole congregation is, is holy. Every one of them. Every one of us is good enough to lead. This is a clever attack, right? Start to get the people stirred up. Yeah, why not us? Why not me? Well, Cora, this is the problem. <laughs> Your heart. But he, he can't address that. Cora acted as if he represents the people and their interests. I, thought, I was thinking about that the other day, ironically. I'm not a political guy. I don't get into the different levels of, of politics and who does what. But then I, I've learned that there are uh, representatives. I'm like, well, what are they representing? They're representing the people. Well, then what are the other people doing? Representing the people. So everybody's representing the people? Okay, well, if you try to phone one of these individuals, good luck. If you try to get a conversation with one of them, good luck. I mean, a real conversation, not some baloney thing that they went to the public library for 36 minutes, gave a speech, shook a few hands on the way up. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean, are you really representing me? Do you really care what life is like for me? No. But that's your title. That's Cora's title. Moses said, man, or Cora said, Moses, you, sh- you shouldn't be the leader. Everyone gets to be the leader. God speaks to everybody, right? Yes. But he's speaking to Moses differently in this time. He misread the whole condition of God's people and what's going on here. Korah's not a true shepherd. He's divisive. Oh, man, these people will run rampant in churches. They get a whiff of power, and next thing you know, they got a following. Got to nip that in the butt right there, man. I mean, on a human level, flesh level, Korah is successful. He's got 250 guys. I mean, he's got the first church plant. Let's plant a church. Well, we don't want to do churches then, but 250 guys that are going to fall. These aren't, again, these aren't just, you know, flunkies. These aren't guys just, you know, like, like David got. No money, no friends, no emotional stability. No. These are people with some, some kind of influence. Let's go to verse 4. Moses heard it. He fell on his face. Man. Told my wife, told my wife and kids this the other day. I said, I just would love one time i know it's not in there so please don't email me about it one time that i mean i guess technically it did happen but one time where it said and moses took a swing at cora (laughs) i mean you know i make me feel better about my own heart sometimes but it doesn't say i mean i know in egypt he you know killed a guy and buried him but he said to cora and all his company in the morning the lord will show who is his and who is holy and he will bring him near to him the one whom he chooses he will bring near to him do this take censors cora and all his company put fire in them, put incense on them before the Lord tomorrow. And the man whom the Lord chooses shall be the Holy One. You have gone too far, sons of Levi. You've crossed the line. Moses said to Korah, Here now, you sons of Levi, is it too small a thing for you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself, to do service in the tabernacle of the Lord and stand before the congregation to minister to him? And he brought you near to him and all your brothers and sons of Levi with you. And you would seek the priesthood also. I'm reading all this because I want to get to this point. Therefore, it is against the Lord that you and all your company have gathered together. What is Aaron that you grumble against him? Okay, I want to get to that point. We'll put a pin in Aaron for a second here, okay? Uh, Moses hears of it. He knows this is a bad deal. And he falls on his face and he begins to pray. Moses, very humble, 
posture of prayer, humble guy. Ask God, hey, am my critics right? Do I got too much power? Is this gone to my head? Am I being a bad leader? God said, no, we're going to take care of this. Moses probably inquired of God, what do I do? Right? He asked God, you know, spare the nation. He's done that time and time again. Don't let these divisive men do permanent harm. And I think, I know, God answers that prayer by how this thing's going to end. So we've talked here, and we continue to talk, and we'll continue to talk, about the framework from a biblical manhood. Spiritually sound, physically fit, mentally strong, relationally established. When I look at this right here, there's two of them that jump off the page at me, and I say, if you're not these two things, you will fold when something like this happens. Spiritually sound, Moses had a sound relationship with the Lord and relationally established. Moses did have some people around him. And, and, and Aaron, Aaron's gone through some stuff. but So Moses has got these two things going. Listen, there will be times when you have to weather the storms relationally. You might be going through that right now. You might be attacked in some way. Maybe it's physical. I hope it's not. But maybe you're verbally attacked. Maybe you're relationally attacked. Maybe you're ostracized. Maybe you're just being left out of something. Uh, it's happened to me. There's times where you say, man, I feel like I'm getting the slight there. Again, life isn't fair. Or I feel like those people are treating me different. I feel like I wasn't invited to that or I don't get invited to that. You know what? You'll be okay. Because if you're relationally established, again, not everybody's your best friend, but you need to have a couple good ones. And uh, spiritually sound, you know, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll be okay. You, you can handle this. I mean, spiritually sound is first. You know that. Talking to my wife the other day, she was talking about somebody saying something about me or something. I don't know. And uh, it was a little delusional, but they had told her something, and we're talking in the kitchen. And I said, you know what? The only person who would probably know something like, and she answered, she finished it. She said the name before I said the name. I said, we're on the right track. If we, if we know the people that, that we reach out to when we need to confide in something, if we already know it without even having to say it, we got a good thing, but make sure you say it to begin with, okay? Tomorrow morning, we're going to figure out who is holy. We're going to figure out who God is really talking to here. I don't know how long Moses prayed. I don't know, but, but he basically tells Korah, you want some of this? There you go. We're going to find out tomorrow. Listen, man, here's the deal. Sometimes leaders are wrong, okay? Leaders are not infallible. I am not an infallible person. I make plenty of mistakes. Most of them are unintentional. I'm sure there have been things that I've said. I know there are things that I have said on a podcast that if I were to go back, I'd say, I wouldn't say it that way or I wouldn't even say it. You know, as I'm thinking about the alien thing, I'm thinking, what's the fallout? Who's going to get, you know, but there are things though that I'm serious that I've said, I thought, oh man, maybe it's maturity. Maybe it's certainly some growth. And I would say, I wouldn't say that. That didn't need to be said that way. Or you didn't need to frame it that way. Or sometimes there's probably been things that I've said that I look back and go, uh, biblically, you were, you were, you were tiptoeing there. You, you, thin ice. Don't, don't, don't go there. Right. Certainly when I teach, I try not to do that. Like I, I, that's the nice thing about teaching and having notes and kind of go, "Mm, I don't like the way it sounds. My wife has corrected me. I'm okay being corrected. Sometimes leaders are wrong. Now, listen, even if Korah is right, let's say Moses had become proud, power hungry the whole way. This is not the way to approach the subject. We read nothing that Korah pulled Moses aside or said, let's go for a walk or let's grab some coffee. I just, man, I feel like this is what's going on or this is how I'm reading the situation. Nope, nope. He just decided, hey, listen, 
if if a leader is wrong, you have the right to have a, the appropriate conversation with them, especially if you have the right heart about it. As a matter of fact, you you should have that conversation with them because there's a high probability nobody else is that nobody else is telling them, "Hey, um, I don't." When you lead like that, or when you talk like that, or when you, there's a chance that that's that that's not happening, and they may not take it well. I've told you sometimes I didn't take it well, but it doesn't matter if you do it with the right heart. Now, maybe they ostracize you. Maybe you lose your position. You don't get a vote no more. You don't get a seat at the table. You don't get to lead that ministry. It doesn't matter if you do it with the right heart. Cora's doing it uh, with the wrong approach and getting, you know, 250 guys to rise up. Uh, we're, this is a coup, okay? This, this is not, well, we really need to address the situation, fellas. Who's with me? Now, what about the Aaron thing? I wanted to get to Aaron. I can't imagine what Aaron's thinking through all this, okay? Aaron and his sister Miriam, you know, they had the whole case against Moses. You got Aaron's sons who are, you know, offering strange offerings to the Lord, kind of perverting them and doing their own thing. And, uh, yeah, Aaron's like, guys, I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't do this, okay? He said, I'm going to tell you right now, I got the scars from some of these mistakes. Don't do it. Let's jump to verse 19. We're just flying through this. Then Korah assembled his congregation. Yeah, he got his guys together against him at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all the congregation. Man, can you feel it? If I had like thematic music, this is where it would come in, but I don't. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, separate yourselves from among the congregation. I may consume them in a moment. Oof. So the glory of the Lord appears to the congregation. This is this is. God appearing, okay, in, in a great cloud. He's going to address this controversy in a very direct and strong manner. Separate yourself. Create some space here, okay? You need to scoot away a little bit. I'm going to wipe these guys out, and you don't want to get hurt. You don't want any shrapnel on you, okay? God decides to make his choice immediate, and it's going to be obvious. God doesn't always do it this way. Thank goodness. Because some of us would have been swallowed up like Korah. We've been in situations where we were Korah. Or we were one of the 250 guys who were there going, yeah, yeah, what he said. I'm so glad God gives us immense amount of mercy and grace. And perhaps he had already done that for Korah too. For you guy who thinks you know God just wipes everybody out. You don't know the whole story. You only get what is printed. But this is the way God worked on that occasion. He doesn't always do it that way. Verse 23. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, say to the congregation, get away from the dwelling of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. I cannot say that word. And Moses rose and went to Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spoke to the congregation saying, depart please from the tents of these wicked men and touch nothing of theirs, lest you be swept away with all their sins. It's a big, big deal. He goes and says, listen, get away from these guys. Get away from them. This is God's mercy. The Lord told Moses, warn these people. Get away from it, okay? And the elders of Israel, they follow him. God had appointed elders back in Numbers 10. Uh, in, a pre, in a response to Mo, the previous attack on Moses, the elders were supposed to protect Moses to a degree. What's going on here? Man, we don't fully grab that. But in this instance, they're like, yeah, I think we're going to do exactly what he's told us to do. Listen, man, it's hard for us to grasp the weight of this, Okay. But the same attitude should be among God's people today. We should avoid divisive, argumentative, contentious people. We should, in the body of Christ, 
in the church community. However, not avoid them to the point that you don't confront them. It is not just the pastor's job to confront divisive people, but many times, at least in my experience, the pastor's left to deal with this stuff on his own. And suddenly everyone else gets busy and got things to do or they don't hear well. I actually have a story, I won't get into it, where someone was confronting a group of elders. I wasn't there. i just been told the story. And one of the elders, when it was over, was like, yeah, I don't hear really well. Acted as if he didn't grab or couldn't understand what was taking place. Do you see? Okay. Well, if you can't hear or see, maybe maybe it's time for you to step down. That I, I, You know, I don't know. But there should be a healthy and holy fear that we need to protect the body of Christ, the congregation right? There should be that. And and when someone is attacking it, we should step in and do something, but we're not going to befriend them or welcome that. Yeah. Let's give them more power. Let's give them more opportunity to lead or serve or vote or no, give me your keys back. Give me your chair back. We're not doing this. Titus three talks about reject a divisive man after the first and second admonition, knowing that such a person is warped and sinning and being self-condemned. Bunch of wimpy churches though. There's a bunch of wimpy church leaders out there who just can't do that. Someone that's divisive or, or ruining the body of Christ, that's being judgmental. No, that's being biblical. And if you don't want to do that, you're actually hurting the body of Christ. Or, or maybe you're the one being divisive. And you're trying to prevent any confrontation taking place. Now, listen, if this has never happened... If you've never done this or participate, I get it. I get that that's awkward and uncomfortable. Romans, Paul wrote about this. And Paul, man, you talk about God comes out the gate swinging. I urge you, brothers, those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you've learned, they've hurt, hurting the church. Uh, for those who are such, do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by smooth words and flattering speech, deceive the hearts of the simple. Man, that's exactly what's going on. And when are we going to say enough is enough? Enough is enough. We don't need any more wimpy men in leadership who are just there because you're old and been there a long time. I don't care what your age is, but doggone it, you got to have a little heart. You got to have a little courage. You got to have a little oomph in you to say, I'll do it. Do I need to call them up? Do I need to visit them? Hey, it'd be great if one of you went with me, but it doesn't always need to be your pastor. Sometimes you just say, I'm a grown man. I'm a godly man, and I'm going to address this. There's a lot of stuff going on in churches nobody has the courage to address, and they're waiting on the pastor to do it. Listen, I've been in a situation where I've addressed it, the things that nobody else would address, and then the fallout afterwards, they all kind of look at you like, well, they left because, yeah, I, yeah, and I'm okay with that if that's what needs to happen. I'm going to wrap up with this, verse 25, 28, forgive me. Moses said, hereby you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do these works. Now, it's not been on my own accord. If these men die as all men die, or if they are visited by the fate of all mankind, the Lord's not sent me. He said, they die because they're old. Well, but if the Lord creates something new, and the ground opens his mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them, and they go down into Sheol, then they shall know that these men have despised the Lord. Verse 31, And as soon as he finished speaking all these words, the ground under them split apart. The earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up, with their households and all the people who belong to Korah and all their goods. This is a tragedy. 251 guys and their families are swallowed up into the 
the earth because just jealousy and pride and bitterness. I'm dumbfounded. But I bet we have more than 251 churches with this stuff going on. I bet we have more than 251 people listening to this episode that are doing something like this. I I guarantee there's 251 people in our churches across the globe, at least, who are doing the exact same thing that Cora's doing. Now, will the earth open its mouth, swallow them up? Nope. Nope, but there will be God's judgment on them. No question about it. The church is the bride of Christ. Do not muck with the church, okay? And I'm not saying your leaders are infallible, but you go to them in the appropriate manner. And if you need to leave, you leave quietly. You don't raise a stink. You don't stand up in the middle of the congregation. You don't write letters. You don't get on social media. Who do you think you are? You're telling me God's okay? Well, who that person is. Listen, if you've done it the right way, you're biblically sound, you've done it the right way. I'm not saying people in leadership don't need to be called out, but in an appropriate way. And you say that guy's still at that church and he's leading a lot. Boy, be, and you need to pray for those people. It ain't your job to get on the phone or on social media or in a group text and tell them, we need, we need to leave. We need to, you're being divisive. It's, it's not comfortable to witness this. Not in the book of Numbers, and not in 2023. But I'm going to tell you, don't mess with God's judgment. Don't mess with it. Be mindful of what you're doing and who you're doing it towards. We shouldn't be flippant about our criticism of people of God's placed them in positions of leadership. However, Again, I will say this, it does not make them infallible. You can't approach them in the appropriate way. Now, you don't got to get your favorite elder cornered and say, hey, what do you think? We need to know. Go have a conversation with them. And maybe you're at a church that it's so big, you've never had an actual or real conversation with the pastor. I get it. Maybe then you got to talk to an elder, whatever. In that situation, you're probably never going to get FaceTime with the pastor. I've been on staff there. I know how that works. I know the layers and the filters to get to that person. I know they don't even check their own emails. So send them one more email and the secretary ain't going to forward it on. I guarantee it. I know how this works. Or maybe you're in a much smaller church. You feel like you can say whatever you want to your pastor or your elders or deacons, whatever you got going on. Uh, The same judgment is true on all of us. So maybe we all need to take a look at our heart and say, if I'm in a position of leadership, do I have too much power? Am I a glory hound? Am I trying to make this about me? I need to repent. Has there been somebody trying to tell me the truth? Maybe I should listen to them. Or maybe you're the person like Cora. You see something you feel like is an injustice, something needs to be addressed, and you say, well, I need to try to have a conversation. And at the end of it, I walk out and say, I said what I said. I'm not necessarily looking for an immediate change. If they... You know, if we can agree on something, great. If we can't, maybe I'm misreading the situation myself. Maybe Cora was misreading the situation. Well, we'll never know. Because he said, I need to go get 250 guys to come with me. We're going to storm the gates of Moses' house. We're going to fix this problem. God said, nope, I'll be the one fixing the problem. Well, men, I really appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate you subscribing, sharing the show. 
I appreciate you being men of God. Men of God who want to do things, Bible things in Bible ways, which is not always easy, but it is absolutely worth it. Amen. Thanks for listening. Let's keep pursuing biblical manliness.